Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the editor and writer of therandyreport.com, my daily blog where I follow the current news cycle and report on stories of interest to the LGBT community on topics like entertainment, pop culture, and politics. My guest today captured the hearts and minds of television audiences around the world with his focus, talent, courage, and charisma when he won reality shows America's Next Top Model and Dancing with the Stars back-to-back. -back. Discovered by the casting people at America's Next Top Model on Instagram, the folks behind the scenes had no idea that he was actually deaf, but that didn't matter at all because in the end, he was cast, he won the votes, and he became the winner in the last season of America's Next Top Model. Right after that, he became only the second deaf contestant to ever compete on Dancing with the Stars, but this time he took it all the way to the end where he won the fabulous Mirrorball Trophy. Today, having signed with the very prestigious Wilhelmina Modeling Agency, he travels the world as a much sought after model, doing photo shoots with major photographers, and most recently, he walked for Giorgio Armani at the Milan Fashion Week. Before I get to my interview with Niall, here's a few things you may or may not know about him. For one, he has a bachelor's degree in mathematics from the only university in the world that specifically caters to deaf students. After graduating, he took a year off and backpacked his way through Europe and South America all by himself, armed with only American Sign Language. Wow, that's a lot of courage to me. Something Niall shared with me while we were getting ready for this interview was that before Dancing with the Stars, he had never danced before. When you think about it, that makes sense. Someone who's deaf who can't hear music doesn't dance around to music in their bedroom or in the living room or go to high school dances to dance. I'm sure he went to different things to socialize, but he had never danced before Dancing with the Stars, which makes his championship even that much more impressive. Plus, during his time on America's Next Top Model, he thrilled fans around the world by answering on Twitter when he was asked about his sexuality. A fan asked, Niall, you have so many gay fans, tell us, boys or girls? And he replied with one word, fluid, and linked that to an article about fluid sexuality, which first of all is fabulous, and second of all, to everyone who's listening, hey, you've got a chance. I should mention that while Niall is fluent in English and American Sign Language, and he does read lips, he doesn't speak. So the voice you're about to hear will be familiar to many of you who are fans. It'll be the voice of his translator, Ramon, who has been with him all the way from the beginning of America's Next Top Model through Dancing with the Stars and Today. While you'll be hearing Ramon's voice, all the answers are from Niall, live from my interview with him. I always like to incorporate music in my interviews, and I couldn't think of a better song than this next one, which is a cover by the rock band Disturbed, of the Simon and Garfunkel classic, The Sound of Silence. Niall and his professional dance partner, Peter Murgatroyd, danced to it to a freestyle dance in the finale of Dancing with the Stars. This is the one that took him all the way to winning the Mirror Ball Trophy. So let's take a listen to this song, and then we'll talk to Niall DeMarco. Softly creeping Left it seems while I was leaving And the vision that was planned 
I'm thrilled to be talking to the one and only awesome Niall DeMarco, the champion of America's Next Step Model and Dancing with the Stars. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I have a few questions for you across a spectrum of topics, but it'll just be a few each. Sounds good. Before America's Next Top Model, you're obviously very handsome. When growing up did you realize that people looked at you a certain way? Was there a moment? Well, I guess there's one story I could share probably when I was a younger boy. I probably was about 10, 9 or 10. And I was traveling around, and we were in Texas at that time. And I was at a gas station, and there was one woman who, some stranger, she came up and stopped me, and she just touched my face and held my face. And I was shocked. I was confused. And my mom came over, and she's like, what is going on? She thought something was wrong. And the woman said, no, he's so beautiful. And at that moment, I realized, oh, this is strange, but thank you, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's one thing that I've remembered ever since. You were modeling before America's Next Top Model. Um, kind of. Kind of. Yeah, I get, so to speak. But obviously, America's ne Next Top Model took it to a whole nother level. Did you look at the world of fashion and modeling differently after the competition, and how so? Well, definitely. I think um, before I was on Top Model, I didn't quite, I wasn't quite aware. I mean, I knew different fashion brands and I knew brands, but I didn't know them an, on an in-depth level. So after America's Next Top Model, I looked at it differently and tried to realize what brands would match my look and who I'd like to work with. So, yeah, so I think that now I definitely have a different lens that I look at the fashion world in. And speaking of fashion, is there a specific fashion trend that you particularly like or don't like? Inquiring minds want to know. I do love the fashion trend now with joggers. I do like joggers. It's kind of the hot thing now, and I wear them all the time. I'm actually wearing joggers now. <laughs> Let's see. I don't think there's anything that I hate, though. After winning America's Next Top Model, did you ever feel a sense of pressure that when you went into public that you had to be pulled up and fashioned and styled and accessorized? Or did the people who passed you on the street get Niall DeMarco on natural? Well, I think it did put a bit of pressure on me that I have to dress well when I'm in public, especially in New York City where I live. There's a lot of people around and you have to look good when you're walking around the city. and You never know who you're going to run into. You know, it could be an important person. So that's right. It's something that, you know, I try to dress up as much as I can or look good. 
Now, we already fell in love with you all around the world with America's Next Top Model, but Dancing with the Stars took it to a whole new level. I think one of the things that really impressed us was how you learned the dancing, because we, we obviously the music was an issue which you overcame triumphantly. Can you talk a little bit about how you did learn? We understand there was a sense of tapping or rhythm, but can you explain how you learned some of it? Well, research shows that deaf people not being able to hear have an increased sense of visibility, acuity, vis visual acuity, and I think that's the main thing of how I learned it. I was able to catch little nuances, almost small details, and also the way that PETA taught me. That was something that I was able to take on quickly, and I was able to learn it faster. And also there were some cues that we had, and pretty much the whole dance, I would let PETA lead in a way, mm -hmm. but it would look like I was leading. I think we were pretty lucky that we were able to do that because I knew what her next move was going to be and I could move with her to make it seem like I was leading the whole time. And it did. So little things, strategies that we had. Was there a particular dance that was your favorite? Oh, that's a very difficult one to answer. Uh, there are so many that I loved. I loved pretty much every one of them, but if I had to pick just one, I probably would say the freestyle dance, uh, the sound of silence. Yeah. Um, I think that was pretty amazing, you know, and I sent, you know, we sent a message that was very powerful. I have to say I had three favorites that I wanted. The pasta doble killed me. Awesome. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was one where there was no silence. There was silence in the middle of the, the dance. Sent a powerful message. The tango, where you were blindfolded. And again, another message. It was its really powerful message for me. And then the freestyle, which, which was really awesome. It really was. Was there a particular dance you didn't care for or was more challenging and you're like, oh, this is so hard, I don't want to do this? I probably would say that tango during week three was very difficult because PETA gave me the hardest routine. Mm -hmm. You know, most of them tend to have it pretty easy at the tango because it's so hard to learn and your form has to be perfect. But Peter was like, no, we're going to make this as hard as possible. It was a very hard routine. And I was a little angry with her at that, that week. I was like, take it easy on me. I'm not a dancer. <laughs> and we ended up winning the best dance that week. So, you know, hard work pays off. It can be worth it. It can be difficult, but worth it at the same time. You mentioned week three. Week two, I think, I think Carrie Ann, the rumba, yeah? surprisingly, said something about musicality. Right, Which exactly. for me as a choreographer, is a huge thing. Musicality and texture is huge. I thought you were awesome. Throughout the entire season though, you really, really killed it. Knowing the challenge with music, how did you learn to be so terrific articulating the texture, whether it was slow and then accented, or do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely, I understand what you mean. I think that comes to the visual acuity I was talking about. Uh -huh. You know, Peta, the way that she moved and how she would stop and slow and make it faster, I can see her doing that and I can see her preparing it. So I took that on and I think that might be another plus on my side is that I was a math major because it's all numbers <laughs> and so it was all a system to me and I think that that's how I took it on. I'm sure you know by now you have a huge fan base in the LGBT community and we're not known for being shy when we see someone we admire. So with that being the case, have you ever had an experience where the gays got a little excited or you were taken aback by an ex uh, a reaction to seeing you? Yeah, definitely. I've had plenty of experiences like that, you know, and I love, I love the community and, you know, they're my biggest fans and they're good people.
I think we give women a, a, a run for their money when it comes to getting excited about seeing you. So. Yeah, I would probably say so. Yeah, I think they're a bit more excited than the female fans, and it's fine. I like it. One more thing about the LGBT community, and I want to tie this into the deaf awareness, deaf community awareness, is when it came to TV shows like Will and Grace, the characters of Will and Jack, and other gay characters on TV led to visibility, which impacted the gay community in a great way, because the more people knew us, the more they understood us, the more accepting people were. The same way you're very visible now for the deaf community. Have you seen a particular way that your visibility has impacted the rest of the deaf community? Yes, definitely for sure. I think that there's a lot of people, a lot of deaf people tell me that there are a lot of hearing people that actually stop them and ask them if they know who I am, who Nile is, or they sometimes will ask them to teach them some sign language, and that never happened before, before I came on the scene, and now it's happening more often, which means that I'm definitely making an impact on a lot of people, and that's a good thing. You know, and I think that, you know, I'm trying to bridge the communities, the hearing and deaf community, and I think that's important. I know for me, I've always wanted to learn sign language because I think it's beautiful anyway. And since I'm a dancer, I think the movement's gorgeous. But I know I wanted to learn a little bit more knowing that I was going to meet you. We'll go over what I said later. But that being the case, I wasn't aware how few people who are deaf have access to both English and American Sign Language. I think I, I read on your website for the Nile DeMarco Foundation, only 2% have access to ASL. Right, well basically 70 million deaf people globally and only 2% of them actually have access to education in sign language. So that means that they don't have education and they don't have the ability to learn. I mean, some can, but some people don't have the ability to speak. So I think that's something I wanna change. So through my foundation, I'm working with another organization called Lead K mm -hmm. and we're making sure that that it's all about language acquisition for deaf children between from birth to five years old and make sure that they have language. So I'm working with legislation to have that passed. And not just American Sign Language, but you felt that you were helped by learning English and ASL, correct? Exactly. And it's not just about American Sign Language. It's about having equal access to English and American Sign Language. They should have both. Now I have to talk about your new gig because beginning September 22nd in Las Vegas at the Rio Hotel and Casino, you're going to be starring as the new celebrity guest host of Chippendales. What did you think when you got the call? My initial reaction when they contacted me to host Chippendales, I was very honored. Um, I know it's quite popular internationally and I was looking forward to the experience. Every experience offers its own opportunities and challenges from when you were on America's Next Top Model and you showed us what it's like to be a world-class model or when you were on Dancing with the Stars and you showed off all that great choreography. What are you looking forward to with Chippendales? I think what I'm most looking forward to is being the host. I don't know if they've ever actually had a deaf host before. I could be wrong, but I think I'm the first and I'm looking forward to taking that hosting. I think what the fans should expect that there'll be a lot of fun for myself and the rest of the Chippendales team. I guess the fans should expect uh, with the show is this is huge. It's pretty much like a Broadway production, but in Vegas. And to headline something like this, to host it in Las Vegas is such an honor. 
being one of the most high-profile deaf celebrities in the media today, I understand a lot of your fans in the deaf community are going to be heading to Las Vegas to see you in Chippendales. That's got to feel pretty awesome. I feel very honored that there's so many fans are contact, contacting Chippendales, especially deaf fans. You know, it makes my job a little bit more difficult in a good way. On America's Next Top Model, on Dancing with the Stars, and even your Instagram, fans get to see you sometimes shirtless, sometimes in a bathing suit, sometimes even less. At Chippendales, live, in person, what can your fans expect from you in terms of costumes or not? My answer to them is that they will see some skin, but if they want to see more, they have to come to the show. Your two biggest public outings so far, America's Next Top Model and Dancing with the Stars, were competitions. But now you're joining a cast and there's going to be camaraderie. You're all on the same side. Are you looking forward to working with the world-famous Chippendales, the guys themselves? I think what I'm looking forward to the most working with the guys um, is going to be the cultural exchange. They're going to learn a lot from me as a deaf person, and I think that's going to be a nice influence, and I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of cultural exchange, is it possible the audience might get a lesson or two in American Sign Language in the show? Definitely. I will be teaching some ladies in the audience some sign language. Well, excellent. Congratulations on the new gig with Chippendales. Congratulations on the Nile DeMarco Foundation. And I can't wait to see you on stage at Chippendales at the Rio Hotel and Casino opening night September 22nd in Las Vegas. Thank you. And with that, we come to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. I want to thank Nile and the team at Chippendales for making this interview happen. Now that I've gotten past the interview, I can freely admit that I'm a huge, huge fan, in case you couldn't tell. And throughout the entire season of Dancing with the Stars, for the first time in 10 years, I was actually voting online and calling in and voting for my favorite, and it was Niall DeMarco. I found him so inspiring, so courageous, so artistic, so fierce. Do people even use the word fierce anymore? I do. Anyway, so... I thought he was awesome, and I thought it was one of the most well-deserved wins in reality TV I've seen in forever. I want to thank everyone for listening today, and if you are listening via a browser on your computer, you may see a little pink button that says follow here on Blog Talk Radio. I'd like to ask you to hit that button, and it will let you know every time I post a new show for The Randy Report here on Blog Talk Radio. Plus, as a reminder, I want to let everyone know that you can catch me every single day. I don't think I've missed a day on the blog in over five years. You can catch me on therandyreport.com, where I do cover the daily news cycle with topics including entertainment, politics, and pop culture. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you next week.